If you are here for the first time together or you're joining us online for the first time, we're in the middle of a series we've called Story, where we've been looking at a book called Mark, which is in the New Testament. In the New Testament, there are four accounts of Jesus' lives. Some people call it Jesus' life. Some people call them the Gospels, and Mark is one of those Gospels. It's simply an account, a description of Jesus' life and his death and resurrection. And if you like, when you're reading Mark, you're hearing Peter, who was one of Jesus' closest friends. And the first half of this book of Mark, we've been trying to work out who exactly is this Jesus. And now that we're over halfway, having worked out who we think Jesus is, we're now working out what is he here to do. And we've been encouraging, as we've already heard, people to share their own story. And as I said, in a little while, we're going to be hearing some stories from people that are getting baptized. So there's three things in this passage that were read, evidences, if you like, uh, as to the reasons why these guys might be getting baptized. And the first is this, very simply. Here it is on the screen. These guys are getting baptized because they recognize that Jesus is king, not us. Now, put your hands up if you've ever been to Go Ape. Anyone ever done Go Ape? If you don't know what Go Ape is, every now and again, you, there's one canic word and canic chase and all of that. They're the sort of things where you go into the woods and there's sort of high ropes and all sorts of things where you climb up and you kind of do abseiling and you kind of go down zip wires. They're great fun uh, for most people. Some people hate it. But I was there a little while ago with my son Noah, who's here on the front row. Uh, and there's this bit in the go ape that we were at where you get to the end and you're kind of on the edge, you're high up on a tree, and then there's this cargo net. And a cargo net, you know, one of those big nets. And what you have to do is you have to run and leap off your high, safe podium onto this cargo net. Now, you are safe, you're strapped in, but you're still leaping on with nothing to hold on to. And what we were told very clearly is when you make that leap, don't do it half-heartedly. Because if you do it half-heartedly, what might happen is what happened to somebody in front of us, not on this occasion, but on another thing, where she got on the edge of this podium and sort of ushered herself off and her jeans got caught on the edge. So she was ended up hanging down by her jeans. So to jump off to get to the cargo net, you have to be all in. You can't do it timidly. And in a sense, there comes a moment where you've got to make the step to not be in control. And when you do it, it's brilliant. When you don't, it goes all sorts of problems. And that is what these four, as they get baptized, are in effect saying. Rather than them now in the driving seat of their lives, they want God to be in control, the one driving their lives, taking the wheel, if you like. Most of us spend our lives living like this on the screen. Do you remember this film? The Lion King with that beautiful side, Joe, I just can't wait to be king. Many of us spend our time either thinking that we are king or queen of our lives, or trying to do all we can to be king or queen of our lives. Trying to be in control. But I don't know about you, if the shock of these last few years with COVID, so much uncertainty in the world, cost of living stuff, if the shock of all those last few years have taught us anything, it is that we aren't in control of our lives. 
So many of us spend so much time, effort, money, emotions, trying to pretend we're in control. But all it takes is a test result, a bad appraisal at work, a cost of living increase, a relationship breakdown. We discover that maybe we're not as in control as we thought we were. And it may be that you're here this morning, and this whole church thing for you is really strange. But you know you are unsettled at the moment, and there's something that just, you're searching for something. And it may be this morning, actually you begin to realize it might be God, that you're searching for him, but actually he's searching for you. These four people who are getting baptized have discovered that life makes more sense if we let God take control. That we had read to us, it's Jerusalem. Loads of people would be coming to Jerusalem to celebrate. And right in the middle of these hordes of people, Jesus enters the city. And the response is huge. Let me read it again. It's on the screen. Many people spread their cloaks on the road while others spread their branches that they cut in the fields. Those that went ahead and those that followed shouted, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. You may not know what those words mean, but it's clear they think something special is happening. In fact, they're actually quoting some bits from the Old Testament, the first half of the Bible. Because they knew that Jesus was special. And so it raises a question for all of us, which dare I say is the most important question you will ever ask. And it's this. What do you make of Jesus? What do you make of him? As we hear and see these four getting baptized, what do we make of what they're doing? Do we think it's a little bit strange, so I'll just put it over here to not really understand? Or maybe we might see the change in their lives or see something that they've got and think maybe, just maybe, there's something to this Jesus. One of the questions that will be asked as they get baptized is the question, do you take Jesus as your Lord and Savior? That word Lord literally means I I put him king of my life. And as they get baptized, what is happening is, if you imagine, that if it's almost like they're going down into a grave, because, of course, you can't stay underwater. And that picture of going down and then coming back up to new life. Something that we can't do in ourselves, but God can do in us. Give us that new start, that new change. So, Jesus is king, not us. That's the first thing they're saying. The second thing is this. If Jesus is king then also his way is best, not ours. Now let's ask for a show of hands. Put your hands up if when you've got a new bit of furniture or something, you're an instructor, you read the manual before you do it, and put your hands, take your hands down if you don't. So who who reads the manual before you do it? Great, put your hands down. Who doesn't read the manual before you build the IKEA kit? That says something about us. Brilliant. Put your hands up if you've ever regretted not following the instructions, just out of interest. Okay, more than <laughs> almost as many as you have. I did it once, and I followed the, didn't follow the instructions, and I thought I knew exactly what I was going, and I got to the nearly to the very end, and I realized I've got one bit on the wrong way around. And of course, with IKEA stuff, undoing it is never quite the same, is it? In a sense, if Jesus is king, what he then shows in this passage 
is that he's also got a different kind of kingdom. Not of power, not of success. But do you notice how he came into the city? Here it is again. Mark chapter 11, verses 1 and 2. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples ahead of him, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you'll find a colt tied there, which no one's ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. Now, no one's quite sure as whether Jesus had made this happen, you know, set up the colt, or whether he just knew it was going to be there. But what's clear is that this is not accidental. Jesus is deliberately going into Jerusalem on a little colt. And why is that important? Well, all those people around him will have seen Jesus coming into Jerusalem, the royal city, sat on a little donkey, and would have immediately thought of something in the Old Testament, a prophecy hundreds of years before. Here it is on the screen from the book of Zechariah. Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. That means Jerusalem. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you righteous and victorious. So they would have seen him coming in thinking, yes, here he is, the king, righteous, victorious. That's the kind of leader we want, the kind of king we want, strong, bold, victorious, the kind of successful person that we want to follow. But then what comes next is astonishing. Here it is. Lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. I'll take away the chariots from Ephraim and the war horses from Jerusalem and the battle bow will be broken. He will proclaim peace to the nations. His rule will extend from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. Jesus comes as king, but he is a king unlike any other. Not a war horse, not with an army, but on a little, lowly, humble colt. Not a kingdom of power and dominance and strength and violence and victory. No, victory is through humility. Do you notice the phrase, he will proclaim peace to the nations? That's what these four who are getting baptized are in effect saying to us. In a moment, in a little while, you're going to hear two stories on video. And in one of those, Austin shares his story. And he uses this phrase, which I absolutely love. He says, the reason he became a follower of Jesus is, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. He's found something in Jesus, in the hope, the forgiveness, the freedom that he offers. The new way of living. That means not only now is there a peace with himself, but that peace comes because he's now found peace with God, which leads to a peace with ourselves and therefore peace with other people. It's only when we recognize our need of God's grace and forgiveness that we extend it to ourselves and therefore to others. So as these four get baptized, imagine it's almost like going into a bath where they're washed clean. Past is gone. All that stuff that you know, you know, gone, forgiven. And a peace not just within yourself, but a peace with God that leads also to a peace with others. Jesus' way is not the same as our way. Which is why, by the way, we are beginning our week of 24-7 prayer today. If you're part of Riverside, we are having a week where we kind of 
devoting ourselves to pray starts at one o'clock today. And there's an opportunity for everybody who's part of Riverside to sign up for one half an hour slot or more. And if you've not yet done so, the QR code is on the screen. Please, can I encourage you to do so? There's still a few little gaps. And then we're going to be gathering tonight at 8 o'clock at Riverside House. Please do come along tonight at 8 o'clock. At least one member of each family would be great to pray together, to pour out our hearts to God. And then tomorrow... There's going to be an opportunity for those that want to, first thing in the morning, to walk together and pray in these four locations. You might want to take a photo of that if you've not yet seen that, or it's on the email that you'll have got. It's on our website in the prayer, uh, in the prayer page. Four different places to pray and walk together. Come at 7.45, you'll be led in that, and then leave when you need to. And then on Tuesday lunchtime, there's another gathering at 12.30 lunchtime at Riverside House to worship and pray together, led by Ben, our worship director. But then all throughout the rest of the week, there'll be half an hour slots where people all across Birmingham at work, at home, on the school run, and wherever they are, pouring our hearts to God because his ways are not our ways. And so therefore we do this, not because prayer makes sense, but in the words of Charles Scobie, the essence of prayer is not getting God to do what we want, but learning to do what God wants. So that's what these four people who are getting baptized are saying. They're saying, he's king of my life now. He's in the driving seat. And therefore, I want to live his ways, his ways of peace with others, his ways putting him first and what he wants for my life because ultimately he's my creator. But there's a third thing as we head to a close, and it's this. That following Jesus is a lifelong journey of ups and downs. Several years ago, you might not believe this. I did a marathon. Yeah, I know, I know. Several years ago. And it was from Boston in Lincolnshire to Skegness in Lincolnshire. It's all along the coastal bit there. And anyone that's ever done a long thing like that, you'll know there comes a moment where you think you're almost there. And then you really, really realize you're not almost there. And you see what you think is the place you're coming towards, and then actually it's not, and where you're actually going is a long way ahead. These people who are getting baptized today, by getting baptized, they're saying, I'm all in. I want to be following Jesus for the rest of my life, come what may. And what's startling about this passage that was read to us is do you notice the enthusiasm, a bit like the enthusiasm in the room here? They're pouring out their praise. Hosanna! Blessed is he! Yeah! Way! The king is here. And yet, but a week later, as Jesus is crucified, where are they? And do you notice that the very last verse that was read to us, here it is, verse 11. After this moment, Jesus entered Jerusalem, went into the temple courts. He looked around at everything. But since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. So you've got the crowd, if you like. They're the ones who are interested. They like what they see. They're celebrating. But they're not all in. They're not his closest people. But Jesus now has got the 12, the inner tribe. They're there with him every step of the way, going not just into Jerusalem, but right into the real heartbeat of the action. And yet a week later, look what happens. Here it is on the screen from Mark chapter 14. Peter began to call down curses and he swore to them, I don't know this man that you're talking about. 
Do you see that? So on the Sunday, people praising the disciples with him. And on the Friday, even those very closest to him. I don't even know this man. And yet, isn't that the beauty of what we celebrate today? And as these four get baptized, and I want to say to you four, today may feel brilliant, but there will be moments where you have questions. Treasure those questions. Because the same Peter who denied Jesus was the one who then at Pentecost preached saying, he is the way. It's so easy, I think, for many of us to see what these four are doing today, to think they're somehow superhuman, super holy. You know, they're on the elite path, getting disciples, getting baptized. But in effect, what they're saying as they get baptized is, I am giving up my dependence on my own performance. I'm dying to that old way of trying to be impressive. And I'm rising up to new life given to me by Jesus. And I had a sense as I come to a close as we were preparing today. There may be some of us here who you think, I'm not like the rest of the people in this room. I'm not a church person. You don't know me, Tim. But you know there's something very attractive about Jesus. And you somehow think that your past or even your present disqualifies you. Remind yourself of Peter, the one who was all in and then said, I don't even know him. And for others of us, I get a sense that some of us feel overburdened. Because even getting here on a Sunday morning sometimes can feel like a real superhuman effort. And frankly, you'd rather be watching whatever chef's program on telly right now. And this is a reminder to us that Jesus doesn't depend on your emotional resilience or your passion for him. Because as these four get baptized, they're saying, I'm dead to that way of trying to be impressive. And I'm rising up to the new life given to me by Jesus. That means I stand before Jesus not because of how impressive I am, not because of how emotionally connected or passionate I am for him, but only because of his grace. That, friends, is really good news. And so as we come to watch these four get baptized, don't judge your everyday by other people's highlight reels. Jesus loves you. Yes, you. And today, as these guys get baptized, you might want to ask, how do I respond to that?